Hello, and welcome to the Career Canvas podcast, where we explore an inside look into different industries from future leaders, their work, and their stories. Today, we are blessed to host Zevi Rubel. Zevi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ruben. Pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure is really mine and ours. Zevi is a senior associate practicing real estate law. He helps clients buy, sell, and manage and deal with all real estate-related matters throughout Israel. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's right. I've heard of real estate lawyers. I've worked with uh, with one with more than one in the past. What does it mean to buying, selling, and managing? What's the managing part? It sounds more like uh, real estate operations than a real estate lawyer. Well, I mean, let's put it this way: we represent, I represent uh, in my practice mostly foreign clients. English-speaking clients, foreign clients who are from overseas, right? So either from English-speaking countries, Australia, Canada, um, and of course the U.S. Um, and we're basically their point person here uh, for for anything relating to their properties. Um, many times it's people that we've represented in either purchasing or selling their properties. We then continue to deal with anything that has to do with it, also with the daily upkeep, uh, we do have, uh, in our office, we do have uh, a small-time property management, FSD with interior decorators, service people coming to take care of the apartment, bank account that has to do with managing the finances, setting up, you know, different payments that have to do with uh, the apartment, the the property. Uh, we strive to be a one-stop shop sort of service. So, uh, you know, once a person has bought through us or has sold through us or in any way has come through us uh, dealing with their property, uh, we try to give them an all-around uh, service for that property. That sounds really great. Is that unique? I haven't heard about that so much from lawyering all the way to managing. Is that like a unique to your practice? I don't know if I would say it's unique. Look, we it's a reflection of the type of service we strive to give to our clients. Um, you know, like I said, we want to give them the most all-encompassing uh, sort of service that we can give them. Um, and it's just uh, an extension of that services to then continue once they've already entrusted you with, you know, sending you large sums of money from overseas. And, uh, um, you know, we've, we sign contracts for people when we've never even met them and uh, they're 6,000 miles away and they send us power of attorney to buy a multi-million shekel dollar property on their behalf, relationships that are forged through that. And I think it's only natural, or at least our clients sometimes think it's natural that uh, that person should also be their go-to when dealing with anything coming up, you know, that has to do with the apartment. So you basically you've earned their trust already and therefore the other sensitive things that have to do with the place they call home or their home away from home, they want to go through the same people that they already know. Yeah. Again, I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't uh, stress the managing part is a equal, you know, if I, <laughs> if, I if you're going to, if we're going to stick to the title or, or the summary, I wouldn't say that that's in like an equal part in, in our work. Our work is mostly, definitely mine, is more on the legal side of things, uh, is the buying, the selling. We talked about buying and selling. It, how does renting come into play? Do I've rented an apartment before. I didn't go to a real estate lawyer. I had my friend who was in school. I'm like, hey, look at this. Uh, is that something also that you see a lot? Or is that even a focus really in your firm if it comes up, it comes up or... If I'd have to, if I have to put it in a pie, uh, I would say I would give it fifteen percent. Um, again, many people who you know they take some a standard. There's 
many, many rental contracts out there. People just take off the internet. Uh, there's many other clients, definitely ones who are renting it out when they're not here in Israel and they want someone to oversee it. So we'll rent it out on their behalf. And uh, they'll have an agent, say, who who finds a renter and they'll have us deal with the contract and, and executing the contract and signing it and getting all of the uh, securities uh, having to do with uh, maintaining that contract and holding on to the checks. Um, there's also commercial c- rentals. Um, you know, I just did a, a month ago uh, a big contract for a company that's renting office space. So that in itself is somewhat of an intricate contract. It's more long-term. There's many other you know, factors. So it's not just a run-of-the-mill, you know, three-page document that you can take off of Google. And um, and there's other rentals that have, you know, sometimes if there's something specific and you, so you do get involved, you do just, you could have just a standard rental contract that others would take care of by themselves, but you also have other rental contracts that are more complex and uh, definitely uh, do, um, it is smart. It's always smart, but I would say it's even smarter to do it. Uh, you wouldn't be able to do it without a lawyer. Um, so yeah, we have those as well. Got it. So pardon the question, but do you know people who buy a rent without a lawyer? You're saying you want to be smart in some of the intricate cases. Do you, do you know anyone that ever does that? Have you experienced, maybe you have to come in, someone tried to do it by themselves and you had to sort of save the day afterwards? It's not so common that people would buy, in, let's put it this way. There's there's buying from a contractor and there's buying sec, what's called here in Israel secondhand or buying an existing uh, apartment. There are people that would buy from a contractor without a lawyer. Um, I think you you will you would find someone who did that um, because as it is, the contract is uh, they see it as like a standard. You know, I will, anyway he has or or they see it the other anyway he has power over me, so there's nothing I could change, and they'll just sign off on it. Um, it's definitely the minority, and I would definitely advise against it. The lawyer in the end, the, I don't know, I can't speak for other countries. You know, we, some, we a lot of times do this comparison with uh, clients who try to compare it to their systems back at home. But definitely here in Israel, the lawyer is a very central uh, figure to any given transaction. Um, and it, I, I would say he's somewhat even of, a, of like the pivot. Uh, he's the axis of the deal. A lot of times you say like the, we get a lot of referrals from agents. So an agent, um, you know, they help the client choose what they're buying and and where the how, you know, so like once already they decided what they're buying, we, we, we put it in, you know, we execute it and put it in the, into motion. Um, and the lawyer is definitely here and is, is the arbiter of, of your deal. In other words, we do a, an initial title check to make sure that the property is properly registered and that you're buying it from the person who is the owner um, and making sure the contract payments, all of those things, there's many things that there's a lot, there's a lot of different bureaucratic entities that have to be dealt with. There's multiple layers of registration. So a, there's a lot of complexity that could go into a deal. And there are many, there's many small details and steps along the way where you could fall. And there's a lot of money uh, in the balance. So could you possibly go through a deal without a lawyer? It is possible. Could you very much, uh, you know, fall into a trap or fall into some sort of clause that you didn't fully understand, then it's going to end up costing you tens of thousands or even millions of shekel. Absolutely. So if you are okay with uh, possibly losing a lot of money, then maybe it's you don't have to mind doing it without a lawyer. But otherwise, I would suggest, just like anything you do that's of any importance, you would want to do it with a practitioner who knows what they're doing, uh, a professional who's, who's done it. Because otherwise, 
Could you bandage yourself? You possibly could. And if you had to, you would, but you probably would still go to a medical professional who would do it as he knows to do best so that it's done well. Right. So how active are you in the negotiation process during the sale for the client? Are you, uh, you mentioned when you're in your small sliver of management that you get on pretend to be Mr. Schwartz, but during the actual negotiation, and maybe it's also different between contractor and secondhand, but what is your role or the role of a real estate lawyer in that? Let's just take you through like chronological. Let's say I get a referral from an agent. He says, hi, I'm referring to you. This person, they're buying here. Okay. They're buying an apartment on, uh, we'll give one that people know, on Emmett Refrain Street in Jerusalem. Okay. So a lot of times, definitely in, in my work, it's a client who's from overseas. So the client is far away. Um, I'm going to call up the lawyer and get the contract and start looking over the deed and looking over everything that has to do with the apartment for all intents and purposes. Like I'm the one buying the apartment. Like I need documents from that person, from the buyer, my client who will send me a power of attorney, a few other documents that are necessary in order to purchase the apartment. But all the discussion about it, um, uh, obviously I, I report back to the client and I let them know when there's things that come up that they don't like, then, you know, I'll get their feedback and I'll, uh, rep- you know, relay that to the other side. But the whole, the, the point of connection with the other side is mostly through me at this point. Um, because we're putting together the legal binding contract that's going to frame the entire deal. Once we get to that stage, the discussion is, uh, is with, with the lawyer. It, it's not to say there isn't any discussion before, and that is what we call the commercial terms of a contract. Right? So there's the legal terms, which we're in charge of, the commercial terms, which is mostly price, payment schedule, maybe if you're buying a secondhand apartment, if there's any furniture that's uh, staying in the apartment, things like that. Uh, so those are things that could be discussed. If the buyer and seller know each other, or if they've spoken, maybe they'll speak directly, they'll speak through agents. But a lot of times, once the discussion gets to the to contract, um, it'll easiest to just go through the lawyer got it in short in short we're very active in the negotiation (laughs) pretty central (laughs) right when i when i purchased my uh my home in israel my i bought from a contractor and the lawyer that we used was very helpful just to help us just talk things out just to make sure we weren't making crazy mistakes he's like can you actually afford this we're like no like, are you sure you want to do this? We're like, no, but you know, <laughs> we worked it out. Okay. So there's a couple uh, programs we were talking before the, before the show. And one of them specifically, I wanted to talk to you about, you said that a lot of your clients are from the States and you're actually working on maybe bringing it entire communities as a group to Israel. Can you speak a little bit more towards that? And, and you know, my, our, our mutual friend, uh, Hanan Kupietsky, he did, he has an Amutah, a nonprofit organization that years ago, I don't know if he's still active with it. So this is definitely an idea that people have, but can you tell me a little bit from your experience, what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it? Sure. What we're trying to do is basically connect with communities who are looking to either purchase together or come on Aliyah together. A lot of times it's come, it goes through a rabbi of a community who is looking him, either himself to make Aliyah or as part of a, some sort of initiative on the community level um, as a sign of uh, the expression of Zionism, their support of Israel. So a mixture of wanting to make Aliyah, wanting to own in Israel, wanting to support Israel, and therefore 
um, there are communities that are organizing as communities to also be to locate geographically to a same project or same place um, here in Israel. We've already uh, worked with one such community that we uh, were able to um, help them in this regard. And um, yeah, I mean, it's more, it's, it's a lot of what we do, but on a larger scale. Um, also taking into account um, their desire, something from which you come as a group, you're able to you know, have a negotiation with, let's say if you're buying from a contractor, so to have a negotiation on a, a group level, um, you know, to manage if you're buying an entire building, um, then you have a say in if there's common spaces in the building, what are those common spaces going to be? And we want it to be set, you know, we want it to be defined that they're going to be set for such a use, you know, or another use or whatever it is. And if if you move as a group, you have more buying power. You you possibly could get better rates on other services that you can get, interior design, things, you know, appliances that you're buying for the uh, for your apartments. That's just on a technical level. Uh, but it's also, you know, you you want to you also have to treat in each individual because in the end a lot you're buying you're not buying it's not a group that's buying you know they're not pooling their money they're buying each individual apartments uh or homes whatever it may be but also just having more of like a holistic view of them as a community and a lot of times like i said there could be a rabbi at the helm of that initiative uh and um just being communicating with everybody's desires and needs um in order to help them and assist in bringing that dream to fruition. Sounds really cool. How many people are we talking about here? Is this like a, an entire community can be, I guess, 10 would, 10 would be the minimum amount, a rabbi and nine other According to the families, right? According, right? That would be the, the, the minimum, but what kind of uh, groups are we, are we seeing? And is this something that you think is gonna become a trend? And last question, when these people are coming together, are they going to sort of pioneer the north or the south, or or they want to go to a place like Ramat Chemish or something like that? Um, so I can say the group that we worked with um, specifically, they moved to uh, a bit, moved a bit more of a, to a southern town. Um, I would say I don't know. I can't say who's how much of you know who's moving there and who bought because they want to invest. But there was a group of about 25, 30 units i would say i don't think i could say there's a trend there are instances there are groups that are interested it's not it's not always an easy thing because people have definitely if they're aliyah minded um they have you know certain desires of a certain type of unit that they want it's hard to maybe find large clumps of of uh, of units uh you know that are all available at the same time um, you also have to, you know, from like the developer's side. So he, once he's ready to go to market, you know, in theory, you'd have to have all those people ready at the same time with with their money, with the yes decision to go for it. Like they, it have to be a very, um, you know, the time would have to align very, very in a very meduyak in a very specific way, uh, which is not always easy. So I know of instances, I know of groups where in discussion possibly with another group uh, that I can't say exactly how large uh, they are, but definitely a few tens of, of families have shown interest. I do know, let's say Nefesh Benefesh has had initiatives where they've tried to steer people to go up. You know, they have a go north program, go south. Uh, they've had for doctors, if, uh, the best of my knowledge, right, to try to send them up north or to, because those are places that also are very much in need of such professionals. So you have initiatives that are not, maybe not necessarily based on a geographic point of origin, but we've tried to work with 
Uh, it's more communities that are coming from a certain place that are looking or be interested. And so I have started a discussion uh, of trying to purchase together in Israel. That's really amazing. I can't imagine having to do that myself, but I guess to a certain extent, we did it in a smaller in a smaller fashion. Uh, yeah. Carme got. Mm-hmm. I was actually part of the Go South program before Nefesh Nefesh decided that Carme got was not South anymore. <laughs> not South enough. Not South enough. That's right. Uh, so in one or two sentences before I want to sort of go get a little more background on how you got to where you are. You're talking about in this specific initiative, you're bringing communities and people, you're talking about the buying power that they have together, the negotiating power, because there's so many of them. There's something in Israel, we talked about buying from a contractor directly, you talked about buying secondhand. There's also a third category, at least, and that's a, a kibbutzat rechisha, a building group. Do you want to give one sentence? Do you recommend? Do you not recommend? I, I've heard more horror stories than I've heard success stories but I obviously don't have the same professional perspective as you do. Well, I'll first, I'll say after that, that I don't represent Kvutzot Rechisha. Uh, so it's, I'm not, I, I did actually delve in a little bit on, in earlier years, my internship, we represented part of a Kvutzot Rechisha. And as you say, they, they had a bit of a horrific experience. Um, so this is more just, of my, I would say, general knowledge. Um, and just because it's obviously a field that's, or it's an area that's, alongside what I, uh, you know, what we do and it's in general. Kvutzat um, Rechisha is basically a little bit what I alluded to before and is where you pull, you basically pull your, you're, you're a group, but you pull your money together. So you are the developer. The group is the developer. Uh, you have some sort of company that's, so it's not, you know, Reuven Kirshner and Zavi Rubel, we go to the contractor and we're buying each our individual units and where, you know, the contractor is obligated by law to us, you know, there's all these safeguards that are in place so that the money that we're giving him, he doesn't squander and he goes bankrupt and something like that. When we're buying from, uh, when we are, you are the developer. Um, and so in the end, like the buck stops with you. And if, uh, and so it gives us a lot more responsibility. And if, you know, things, if things go wrong, in in the end, ultimately, you don't have somebody to go to because you're the one who you're the you know you're the one who's ultimately owns the land and the one who's developing. Uh, you know you have a you have a, a kablan a, the uh, the builder who goes bankrupt. You have to deal with getting a new one. Or if there's fights among you know you have a large group. This happened many times. You had fights or disagreements among the group, um, and then it's hard to manage the the project because you can't come to an agreement. Um, uh, and specifically in our neighborhood, we there are many projects that they're built as kvutzot rechisha. I have to say, and they some of them did have hiccups along the way. They had contractors who went bankrupt. They had uh, people who left or had to sell midway because they didn't have enough money to continue. Um, so it's definitely a, a field that's gotten a bit of a bad rep. I know that there has been somewhat of a I'm going back to, uh, using that model in recent years. There's someone in, the, I have a colleague, uh, a neighbor of mine actually, who deals uh, almost uh, only with Kvutzot Rechisha because also prices here in Israel have gone up and it, it is one way in which you can try to lower the price of the unit that you're buying. And you can definitely can get it for, you know, when you cut out the middlemen and you cut out other costs, uh, you definitely, if if done well, and if it, go, if it goes all the way to the end and if, and if, and if, then you definitely could be saving money. Uh, is there more risk involved? For sure. And, but if it's managed well and you have someone who is 
uh, you know, knows how to hold a group together, then um, it could potentially be beneficial for the members. It does give a lot more background. And that definitely thank you if you're listening and you're considering it, do your homework and make sure you're doing it with a group of people that you think you'll get along with. Okay, so let's uh, let's take a step back. Let's let's get into the origins. When did you decide that you wanted to be a lawyer? And was that at the same time you decided to work in real estate or was that uh, later on in your journey? That's a great question. So I read all the John Grisham books when I was younger, but uh, the truth is I, I did not think of being a lawyer um, when I was younger. I actually thought I was going to be a doctor. Uh, volunteered in the ambulances, and I very much was uh, was into that world. In the process of trying of, of go, getting into university and doing all the tests, and I redid tests three times. I did the psychometry three times and redid my high school exams uh, several times to get better grades. Um, and I was two points from getting into medical school. And uh, at that point, I realized that I didn't want it that much, and I wasn't willing. There are many people here who who really sacrificed their lives to get into medical school. And I realized I wasn't one of those, and therefore it's I I realized that's not what I want, and so I turned to other things. Uh, it took me a while. I did sign up to I signed up to law. Truth is, I studied law and social work at Hebrew U because I because I I couldn't decide. It was hard for me to decide what to study. But when once I started my studies, I very much enjoyed my law degree, and I did an internship, and I started working actually um, in a firm that did litigation. I did tort litigation. I represented uh, insurance companies. Uh, so also within the law uh, field, it took me a, a bit a while to really narrow down in what exact field I wanted to work in. But it did over time crystallize that I wanted to I wanted to work in real estate. And uh, I happened to have I actually moved to the south of the country, south more south than Carmegat. Uh, <laughs> I think even for Nefesh Ben Nefesh, it would be considered south. And um, <laughs> in Yerucham. And when we came back, I realized I wanted to focus on real estate. And so I uh, reached out to a, uh, a firm where I work now at Givati, Yair Givati. And he's someone who I, I had met actually uh, back in my, when I was an intern, we used to meet in the tax authority offices back in the day when you still had to go in in person to report every deal. Called him up and uh, yeah, we've been working together ever since. And um, and I very much have grown into this field. You know, I very, for many, many years, I would feel a bit lost, not having like a clear vision of what I wanted to work in. Um, and only after a while and many, many discussions and thinking about it, uh, it took me some time to to hone in on this, on this, that this is what I want to work in. And once I, I got on track, yeah, I'm very happy that this is uh, what I do. Sounds like a windy path. Uh, yeah, but you know what? It's uh as they say, the right. long path that is short. I had that's the way, if that's the way I had to go to get here, then uh You're right, so right. Right, I, for sure. So you you wanted to be a doctor originally as you were trying to go through the process. It didn't exactly go as planned. You realized that you wanted to pivot. You weren't sure if you were going to do law or something in the social sciences. And then once it, through learning, through studying, you realized this is what you wanted to do. And then when you got there, you you sort of felt your way around until you found uh, real estate. What is it about real estate that you particularly enjoy more than litigation? If you're a John Grisham guy, I would think that you want to get in the courtroom. Um, the truth is, what I like about real estate is, first of all, in the end, you're 
is people are happy at the end of uh, you know at the end of your workday when you've put together a deal and you've done the deal well. People leave a meeting smiling, um, and um, you know the your end goal is to you're not fighting with people, but rather your point is for everybody to be in agreement, and to, uh, you know your it's a strength to be transparent. And and show all your you know be upfront and communicate exactly what your intentions are because that's what makes um, many times the deal go through in a in a smooth way is that you're communicative and trans and transparent with the other side with your client you tell them exactly how it is and if it's not exactly how it is that or as they thought then you tell them because they need to know because if you've signed on something that they didn't approve of or they thought it one you know one way but it's really the other way there's uh, you know you could. Besides the fact that your client will probably be mad at you, you could. It also could be malpractice. Um, in litigation, I felt uh, um, a lot of you know your point is to try to outsmart the other side. You have to try to find the cracks in their defense, or uh, you know what it may be. And um, I just didn't want to spend my days doing that. Uh, you know, I prefer not to fight with people. Um, so you know, I much rather you know be friends with who I work with and not you know, spend, uh, and, uh, also I felt I wasn't as good at it. It was very, definitely if you do commercial litigation or things like that, you sometimes have to, uh, you know, study a new field, you know, when you get a case and there's people who find a lot of intellectual, you know, uh, curiosity, like people are curious and they, they find a lot of stimulation and look, looking up a new field and having to study it anew. Personally, I found that there was a lot of pressure to, you know, you have to know a lot of different fields all at the same time and be an expert enough and more than the other side in order to beat them in court. I found that that pressure wasn't good for me. I, what I like about real estate is that in the end, there's a lot of basic processes, which, you know, once you've done them, A, it's routine. And once you've gone through them a few times, you know, the basic model of the process and you're able to organically build from that and, you know, learn from that and really build uh, experience and this way, you know, you learn every deal. There's a little nuance, but it's, you know, something little here, something little there. And this way, little by little, you've, you accumulate a lot of knowledge about little nooks and crannies of the, of the, of the field. Um, so I like that organic, that organic learning um, that I feel happens in real estate. I'm glad that you found it. I'm glad that you met up with Yair and that, that's working out. What is a common myth about your job or about, law that we can put to bed right now? I would say a common myth, but misconception that uh, in, at least in my field where I deal mostly with foreign clients um, is they, they think that the client is at the center of the transaction, at least when it comes to definitely with a contractor and sometimes even with uh, another side. Um, and we tell them, you know, this is Israel. A lot of times the same Kansas also, it could be contractors, builders, or service people. Is they're they're not the same service oriented or client oriented the way it would be definitely in the U.S. You know, if you have the client is always right attitude, so that's more rare in in this you know part of the woods. That's sometimes a big hump that people have to get over. That they have to realize. Let's say definitely, you know, we do many contracts buying from contractors. What's called buying on paper, um, and there. Maybe now it's a little different because in our particular time, um, there are contractors who are pressured to sell apartments and with you know the uh, interest rates and um, just the current financial surroundings we find ourselves in. There is a bit of a crunch in the market, but 
uh, I would say the regular state of things is that the contractor doesn't really, you know, at least he treats you in the sense that he doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to buy. He's doing you a favor by selling you. Um, and so, you know, if you want to have the honor of buying from him, so that's just an attitude that uh, you have to have in mind sometimes and um, just know your place when, when coming to the table. Um, even if, yes, you are buying and you have the money, but uh, um, sometimes that's an attitude that people find they need to get used to. I can fully understand and embrace that from personal experience. What is a piece of advice that you'd give someone starting in their career? What is some important trait that this person should have if they wanted to get into real estate law? Well, like I mentioned before, I think transparency and uh, communication is very important. I said I'm a social, I happen to, I've also studied social work and I say that I've found that I, I use my social work, staff, social work skills per se, but definitely social skills are very, human skills are very important um, in our line of work because uh, open communication and being transparent and being clear. So transparency, clarity, uh, communication are very important because that's very much what could make a deal, make it or break it. Because even if there are certain things about the deal that are not good or um, or that are good, that are not good, if everyone's, you know, in the end, it's an agreement. What the, the in, in our field, what we, in the end, what we come around the table and do is sign an agreement. And if the agreement reflects everybody's aware of everything, then then, you know, and every, and if something goes wrong, we communicate that in an open way. Many times that could uh, make it or break it. Um, so I would definitely say that those are important things to have. I would also say, you know, my, our field is somewhat of a old school, so to speak, uh, field, you know, it's not high tech. It's a field that is built more in, you know, you build yourself up incrementally. Uh, it's not, you know, I've studied, uh, you know, immediately go into a new high tech company and I, you know, get, you know, I've seen some of those uh, contracts. Um, so definitely someone starting out in the field, that's that's not what they would be making. It takes time. It takes time to build yourself in the field, in any field. And so I would say that patience is uh, an important thing. Someone starting out, I would say if they're starting out, I, I think this is true in any field, but definitely in a field like ours is that uh, to give yourself that time to stay on track. And if you stay in one place, uh, I know in high tech, that's a hard thing to do if in, um, from one company, but stay in one place in the sense that you you, you do your job, you do the same thing, uh, you know, over time, you build that expertise, you build that professionalism, uh, you build those, you you build a, a wisdom of, uh, of your field. Um, and so that'll make you a valuable professional uh, who, for people to seek out later on. And so have that patience because it, it does pay off in the end. That's very profound advice. Uh, we see this all the time. I mean, I work in high tech, and you see people after two or three, after one or two years, even leaving uh, a job because they got a, a better offer, a smaller company, they can move up higher. But it's not always the right decision to take the money because it might be when we're talking about the long short path or the short long path. Sometimes you want to make sure that you're really building the foundations and the skill set and the connections before you take that next step. Okay, so I like to end off, and uh, I like to end off with a, a different type of question. Is there a book, movie, podcast, something else that you'd like to re recommend to the audience? I want to say that somebody recommended uh, a podcast, and I, I started listening to it. So, at least I'm taking this seriously. Absolutely. Well, I, I love listening to podcasts. Um, I'll recommend two. One is uh, I'm a 
a big fan of Thomas Sowell. Um, I realized when I went to university, I really like um, the topic of economics as uh, just a subject matter. Um, and Thomas Sowell's book, uh, Basic Economics, uh, is one that I would definitely recommend for anybody to read. I would even have had like, you know, like sponsoring it as like a textbook in my kid's school because it's that important, I, I feel. Um, and so I, he's a prolific writer and an excellent writer. So any book by Thomas Sowell, but definitely Basic Economics would be a, a go-to. Um, and podcast-wise, there is a, a great podcast called Econ Talk. Uh, by uh, the host is Russ Roberts, who actually uh, is, uh, he's Jewish. He moved to Yerushalayim, to Jerusalem, um, I think about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Um, he's now the president of Shalem College. Uh, he was at Stanford. And so uh, he has a long running podcast, um, which I've listened to many, many episodes. And also I've learned a lot. It's not only economics, it's it's everything, anything he calls the conversations for the curious. So it's really conversations about anything and everything. And I've learned a ton from that podcast. So definitely would, uh, would look up that one as well. I've actually heard of that one, but I haven't actually started watching it. Maybe this will be the, the push, the impetus to get the it. Impetus. Absolutely. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> well, thank you. This is really fun. This is really interesting. And a lot of people, if they haven't gone through the process of buying or renting, then they're going to soon. Almost everybody does. So it's important to to know a good a good guy and to understand the field a little better to know what you're getting yourself into. So thank you for your expertise and sharing your information, teaching us about patience and transparency and communication and the social skills that are necessary besides for understanding law. And I'm very pleased that you didn't become a doctor. <laughs> I'm happy as well. Thank you. Thank you uh, for joining. Thank you all for listening and peace out.